You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. A mentor carries what some would say is the greatest responsibility one can choose to take on in life. A mentor's job is to invest in the thing that is most precious to God, people. There is no greater investment in life than the one you can make in people. So look around you. Have you ever considered yourself a mentor? Do you think you have what it takes? Well, our job on this podcast and in a book we recently released is to prove to you that you do. You can mentor. You were made for this. Check the show notes, pick up the latest book that we just released called You Can Mentor, written by Zach Garza as he shares his story of how his life was changed through mentors. Hello, my name is Jamel Carter. Today's episode is an interview with Ron Anthony from Impact One Mentoring. They build lifelong relationships with teens in their community to develop them into difference makers. We hope today's episode gives you or your organization value. If so, we'd love to hear about it. Leave a review, rate the podcast, and share this episode with someone you think would benefit from the content. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. I'm sitting here with my friend, Ron Anthony from Impact Mentoring. Ron, say hi, my friend. How you doing, guys? Great to be here. Ron and I go back. So we actually used to teach together at Lake Highlands Junior High School. And I was just on Facebook a couple weeks ago surfing around and I found Ron. And he's now a principal at a school in Garland, Texas. And he started a program called Impact Mentoring. So, Ron, why don't you just share about you and your heart for mentoring and what's going on over there at Impact Mentoring? Well, num number one, it's great to connect with you again. I know, I know it's been a while. And, you know, when you, when you reach out to me on Facebook, you know, I, I think God lines things up. Yeah. So that, that's where we start. So, like I said, I'm definitely happy to be here. I'm originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I've been out in, in, in the Texas area about, about 18, 19 years now. Like you said, you and I connected at Lake Highlands Junior High as teachers and coaches. But born and raised in Baton Rouge, inner city. Real tough area. You know, I was fortunate to to have my dad in the home in addition to, you know, other positive men through through youth sports, you know, which really, really kept us off the streets, honestly, you know. And oh, yeah. Ron, I forgot that <laughs> you can play yourself a little bit of basketball, can't uh, you? Just, just a little. Just a little. <laughs> You're a good point guard. Me and the two of us used to used to kill those kids in the staff versus student basketball games. Y yes, sir. <laughs> those were the good days. Then I, then I hit 40. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. Yes, yes. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, so so just so tell me why you care about mentoring. It kind of goes back to like I stated to keep my brother and I off the streets. My parents put us in youth sports, football and basketball mainly and just just being able to be around positive role models cuz you know, I would watch my dad go to work 12, 15 hours a day 
in addition to the other coaches, and then they would come in the evenings and coach us for an, an additional two hours, five to seven, in addition to, you know, coaching us on the weekend. So they were being pulled from their families to, to pour into us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just as a young age, you know, there was something in my spirit that said one day, you know, I want to have an impact on, on, on teenagers and just young men of that nature. And then my last probably four years of college, I had a chance to work at the, like the YMCA and other youth programs in Baton Rouge. And that's where I, I really got a chance to see the impact that I can have on the next generation. So just being mentored as a, as a youth and then having an opportunity right before graduation to, to actually impact lives. You know, once I got to Texas, I was, I was ready to take off and the sky was the limit. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Now uh, you got yourself a wife and some kiddos, right? Yes, sir. Uh, my wife and I, Tasha, we've been married. I'm getting ready to make 19 years in September. Wow, September 13th. Awesome, we have Cameron, who's our oldest 16-year-old. He's a sophomore at Richardson High School. And then my uh, two youngest, Mason, 11. And the one who I say runs the house, McKinley Grace, my daughter, she's, uh, she's five. That's great, man. That's awesome. Hey, well, so the two of us were talking a tad bit before the podcast. And man, I, I would just love to hear about how impact mentoring came about and you were sharing stuff about about the book of nehemiah so i want to hear about it man i want to hear from the very beginning yes sir so i like i said coming out of college and and being involved in youth sports i knew i wanted to work with kids i mean and my avenue to get into that i guess that area was through education so you know i majored in education came out here to to texas and it's weird when I look at the mentoring program that I put together now, I was doing all those things back at Lake Highlands Junior High without the structure. Yeah. Didn't have a name to it, but I was making an impact. And, you know, going back to the book of Nehemiah, you know, if you, if you know that story, he, he inquired about his people. And the news that he, re, you know, he received, it was not good. The walls were down. The people were not in good shape. So it's no different than what I did with Impact One, you know, before it had a name. I saw, you know, the young, young men in this area and, and, and other areas throughout, you know, the, the DFW area. That, that needed help and some walls were down. And when I say walls were down, there were not enough fathers in the home. You know, the kids came from unstructured in, environments to where, you know, the crime rate was high. So some of the things that these young men saw growing up, you know, it's, it's like I said, Lord, I, I need to get involved. So just similar to Nehemiah, I inquired about my people and the things that I heard, you know, just like Nehemiah made me mourn, you mm-hmm. know, because he did three things. He mourned, he fasted, and he prayed. So, you know, after, after growing up in that environment and then, you know, working with young men out here, I said, Lord, you have to give me something to make an impact on these young men. And in his sense of humor, you know, God was like, I've already given it to you. you. You just have to step out there on faith and be bold enough to do what's in your heart, which is my life purpose, which is working with, with young men. So I kind of put things on paper first, came up with a whole plan of a mentoring program, how I would, if I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, what would, what would draw my attention and make the most impact on my life? So I put it down on paper probably for about five years, and I just sat on it, you know, didn't do anything with it, you know, in, in a sense being disobedient to God. You know, he, he gave me this vision, gave me this purpose, and, and like I said, I sat on it for four years. But going back to the book of Nehemiah, after he fasted, prayed, you know, to, to the Lord, he, you know, he asked for resources, which God gave to him. But the, the one thing that was missing that I think kind of cost me five years, if you notice Nehemiah, he could not have rebuilt the wall without help. Mm-hmm. So just this past year, my coworker, uh, Mr. Robinson, who's the marketing teacher, I shared my vision with him this summer, you know, at the, right at the middle of COVID. And he was like, man, I'm coming from the nonprofit world and I've done some mentoring work in South Dallas. And I was like, Lord, this is, this is, this is my running mate. Yeah, yeah, so sure. shared the vision with him. And, you know, just based on the things that, you, you know, we're doing on Facebook, people think we've been doing this for a long time. But Impact One was born at the beginning of this school year. Okay. So um, like I said, we, we've been doing a lot of great things and impacting a, uh, a lot of great, you know, a lot of great young men. That's awesome. That's awesome, Ron. So like, can you share with us just kind of what a day-to-day, whenever a kid chooses to spend time with 
Impact One looks like? What are the nuts and bolts of what it is that you guys do? Okay, so there, there are four main components that we, we structure the program around. And the first one is called Pack One Academy. That's our one-to-one -one mentoring. Okay. And what we do, because we, build, we believe in lifelong relationships, when the young men come into the program in early August, after we kind of go through our recruiting, we sit down with each young man and come up with what we call a P3. It's a uh, personal purpose plan. And we sit down with the young man and we, we devise long-term goals, short-term goals, in addition to some action steps to actually get to those goals. So that's our one-to-one -one mentoring. And, you know, throughout the year, as the year goes on, you know, we have one-on-one -on -one meetings with the young men to see where they are academically. You know, are they having, you know, girl problems? Are they having issues at home? So we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one mentoring through the Pack one Academy. So that's amazing. Tell me how you came up with that. And if you don't mind, can you give me an example of, like, of a goal that a kid has and try to walk me through just a scenario as to how you guys take a kid from point A and have them get to point B. Okay, so Pack one kind of came up with that idea of the number one. I see a lot of programs, which is great. They're trying to reach thousands of kids. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I always say, Lord, if I can just impact one, you know, I can sleep good at night. So that's where Pack one Academy comes from. We're fo focusing on the individual kid, even though we also do group mentoring. I mean, a good example of the, the P3, there's a young man that we're working with now, football player, didn't get a scholarship, but he wants to go to college. Okay. So we just met with him one-on-one -on -one this morning, myself and Mr. Robinson, and a part of his P3 plan is we're going to walk him through the, the college entrance process, everything from financial aid to, you know, coming up with your major. So that's kind of what the, the, the P3 plan looks at. We set that goal, but then we also put in action steps and then we hold them accountable mm. when they're not, you know, getting, getting closer to achieving that goal. Yeah. Like, I love that because you're not saying, Hey, here's, here's what I want for you. Instead, you're asking them, Hey, you tell me how I can help you achieve your dream. Right. 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 That's amazing. That's it. That's, that's super it. cool. All right. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> you got it. You got it. <laughs> All right. Why don't you talk to us about that second thing? Now, the second thing is called the PAC 30, and this is the one that really gets me excited because everybody, all the young men who are involved in PAC 1 mm -hmm. is pretty much involved in PAC 30. And that's every Friday we kind of get together um, down in our marketing room, and the young men come in, and we bring in current events, you know, from the, from the recent police shootings to politics to, you know, we, we take it from a historical, spiritual standpoint and it's just an opportunity for them to learn from us, but also for us to, to learn from them. But the okay. key thing that makes PAC 30, we're also teaching leadership skills. And when I say leadership skills on how to run a meeting, if you come to any of our meetings, every meeting we're going we're gonna to do two things. First thing we're going to do, we're going to have what's called a unity check. Because I feel before we can dive into any type of business, we have to check on each other. So each young man is required, in addition to the mentors, we're required to stand and speak to the group and say, hey, how's the week going? Are you struggling with anything? Is there anything we can support you with? And each young man gets the opportunity to kind of say where they are because we have to check their hearts before we can actually get into what we call business. So any meeting you come to, we always start with what's called the unity check. Then number two, after the unity check, we go into the Impact One Declaration. And I brought some for you guys. And that's led by Mr. Robinson, and I'll give you a good example. All the groups will stand, and we'll say, today I will make good decisions. Today I will demonstrate my own self-value. Today I would not make excuses. And we go through this process every Friday right after the unity check. So the leadership skill that we're teaching is that when you lead a group of people, you always have to check on them first before you get down to business. And then, like I say, just as an affirmation, each guy got one that they hang on their wall that they, you know, they cover every morning. But before every meeting, we always cover those, those two items. So that's, that's kind of pack 30, and then we'll go right into either we'll learn a skill, we may talk financial literacy, we had our nurse come in to talk about health because the, the young men not only hear from us, but we, we like to bring in what's called experts, okay. you know, who has knowledge in an area that we may not 
you know, really have a, a, a deep knowledge that can actually help to young men. So, and that's Pack 30, and we're in there about probably about 90 minutes, and you know, we, we what we call we go hard. You know, we, we hold each other accountable. You know, if there's a disagreement, we 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 teach them how to agree to disagree without it turning physical. So, I mean, just just a lot of great things that comes through the Pack 30 Academy. So, you're teaching them a number of things there. One, you're teaching them how to speak in front of their peers. You're teaching them how to be open, how to get stuff that might be into the darkness out into the light. You're teaching them how to respond whenever their peers hear that one of their friends is going through a hard time. You're teaching them how to have a have a positive discussion about things that they may or may not see eye to eye on. You're teaching them how to how to speak life over themselves and how to say out loud, hey, here is what I'm going to do. Here's how the Lord has created me. Man, this is awesome, Ron. Tell me how you prepare for that and tell me how you pick the events that you guys choose to talk about. Normally, um, probably on a weekend, it's always pre-planned on what we what we want to talk about. Say, for example, if we were teaching how to, we did an activity with a young man on how to create long and short-term goals. So I always plan it about a week in advance, but if there's something that happens in the world mm-hmm. that I feel that these young men need to hear about, I'll kind of scratch what we're doing and we'll go directly to talking about that current event. So I always have something pre-planned, but if, like I said, if, if God places something on my heart that I feel that I need to share with the young men, we'll call it audible and go to a different direction. Yeah. So, I mean, I can just kind of perceive, Ron, that you you really do care a lot about what the Lord has to say to these kids and what the Lord wants to teach these kids. So tell me how you go about partnering with the Lord to to figure out the ways that he wants to work in their lives. Is it through prayer? Is it through fasting? Is it through, yeah, yeah, just kind of speak on that a little bit. Uh, a lot of prayer. Yeah. And, you know, what I, what I call my quiet time— and, you know, quiet time looks different from, from all of us because mm-hmm. my quiet time can be in between my ride home from Naaman to pick up my kids. I got maybe a 10-minute span to where I can, I, I can hear from God. Or in the mornings, you know, what I call my morning worship on the way, and I'll put on, I think it's 94.9, a Christian station, to where I can really, you know, just hear from God through music. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my ideals are created in the truck on the way to work. Awesome. And once I get to work, I kind of put it down on paper, meet with my, my teammate, Mr. Robinson, and then we just kind of put lessons together and, 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 and kind of go from there. That's awesome. All right, so you talked about the Pack one you talked about the Pack 30 Why don't you tell me what's next? Ah, so the third component would be what we call I Serve. Okay. And that's pretty much about serving the community because if you take a look at our vision and, and, and mission statement, we talk about being a staple in the community. So when you think about a staple machine, you know, as simple as it is, the purpose is to hold things together. Mm. So we are there to be a staple within the Naaman community or just throughout the DFW area with whatever group that we are working with. So there's two sides to I serve. We want to teach the young men that it's better to, to give than receive. Mm-hmm. So this year, COVID kind of slowed us down, but next year we're, we're going to get out and do some work in the community. And a good example would be right up the road from the school within walking distance, there's a Target, Walmart, other other businesses. So we're going to get out on weekends and just talk to you know the, the managers there and say, how can we serve you? It could be something simple on a Saturday from 8 to 12. Can we push the basket in? Can we pick up trash in the parking lot? And that, that's going to teach our young men that it's good to be a blessing to, to other people. So that's I serve. But the other side of it, we want to be a place where anybody can come. You know, whether they're in the naming community or we're working with kids in Richardson to where whatever they need, we can provide. If a kid needs school clothes, they need backpacks, they need the bare essentials like your deodorants, your toothpaste, we're there to provide that. So that's that's kind of the I serve to where we're, we're going to get out in the community. You know, we're, we're going to serve. That's great, man. Can 
you kind of share a story about how serving, because for me, I think, I think the lie that I believe is, oh, it's, it's just pushing in baskets. You know, it is, it's only providing a backpack. It's only providing, you know, can you share a story about how you've seen a kid's perspective change based on serving, based on focusing not on themselves, but focusing in on providing a need or service for someone else? I could just think of just multiple examples this year. You know, our first few meetings, we, we provide the basics to the guys like your Gatorade, just snacks that we have during the Pack 30. And there's one young young man, Seth Smith, he's a freshman this year. You know, he would come up to me in the cafeteria and say, hey, Mr. Anthony, um, you know, I didn't bring any money today. Do you have a dollar? And I always, you know, just carry a little pocket change. That's way back to my Lake Highlands days and that I would give to him. But I knew I was making an impact when I saw him turn and help his brother, mm. another member of Impact, one out when they came up short on their lunch. So just, just instilling the the blessing or the importance of being a blessing to other people, I watch myself do it to Seth and then Seth do it to somebody else. It's almost starting like starting a ripple effect. Yeah. So that I mean that's that's huge. That's, that's huge. awesome, Ron. That's a great story. All right. Tell us about that fourth thing. And the fourth thing is called because one of our mottos is that we believe in lifelong relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's called I Link. And the purpose of iLink is when the young men leave Impact One, which they'll graduate, whether they go off to college, the military, or going to the, the workforce, we want to make sure that we don't lose connection with them. Because just thinking about some of the, the programs that I, I saw in Baton Rouge or even out in the Texas area, when the kids kind of transition out, they tend to, to get lost in the shuffle. But we believe in lifelong relationships to where if we are mentoring you at 13, we should be mentoring and coaching you at 35 mm-hmm. or 40. So no different than a mayor until, until death do us part. You know, we want to have that mindset to where we want to be in a young man's life forever. And I can give you a good example. There are a group of kids who came through Lake Highlands. I think right before you got there, 2003, we had an excellent team, went undefeated in, in every sport. And, you know, I coached and mentored those guys in 2004 as teenagers. So those conversations were, are you taking care of business academically? You know, are, are you making sure that you are surrounding yourself with positive people? Well, there's uh, one guy I know specifically, he's a now a, a teacher coach in Wiley ISD. He, after he left Lake Hollis, went on to Allen High School, played at Eastern Kentucky, and we are still in contact till this day. So now the mentoring uh, conversations change from maybe academics or making sure you're coming to school on time to, because he's married and has kids, how are you leading your home? Mm. You know, are you are you are you are you working to improve yourself as as a father? So now the mentoring piece is still there, even though Impact One wasn't hadn't been born yet back then. I was still doing some of the same things. So our motto is that we want to be in those young men's lives forever. Yeah. And you know, through social media and, and just you know technology, there's no reason we should ever lose contact with them. That's awesome. How do you do that? Like, tell me how you you take it from a kid who you met whenever he's 14, and then you know, you're continuing to invest into him when he's 18 and then whenever he's 22 and ever, whenever he's 28. Tell me how, how you, tell me how you ensure that you're not going to lose touch with the kid. Take a look, good look at the young man that came through Lake Hollins, Jeremiah Williams. Back in 2003-2004, I showed him that I cared. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's number one. Once, once the kids know that we love them, we care for them, they begin to trust us. And then another piece is creating environments to where they, they want to be around you. So he was a part of my, you know, basketball team in addition to my, my history classes, and we used to hang out after school. So once he began to trust me, and then I'm creating these environments where, you know, he and his friends can come hang out, and, you know, we can, we can kind of enjoy ourselves as, as young men, that's where that, that, that foundation was laid. And then once he transitioned on out of the, the Richardson area, 
just keeping in contact with him through whether it's email, because I don't even think text message was, was truly in, in, in effect back then, but just kind of keeping in contact. You know, if I, if I was to see his mom in the store, just say, hey, how's Jeremiah doing? She would relate a message to, you think, 10 years down the road, this kid reaches out to me and say, hey, Mr. Anthony, how's it going? And, and that was through social media. But I think the foundation is laid when he was a 13, 14-year-old. Yeah. Just, you know, getting, earning that trust and then, like I say, holding him accountable, but just showing at the end of the day, showing him that I, I truly cared, which is why I can pick up the phone now, and that that mentor relationship is d just still there, but it changes because he's, like I say, he has a family just like I do, and and, and and you know has kids and a wife. But the foundation starts when we are working with those kids as thirteen and, and fourteen year olds. That's awesome, man. Like I, I think one thing that that I keep on hearing you say is that you you hold kids accountable, and I know for me there's a tendency for that for that to be a super hard thing to do because I'm fearful that I'm going to lose connection. I'm fearful that he's not going to like me. I'm scared that I'm going to hurt his feelings. So can you just kind of share with us how, how you hold kids accountable in a way that makes them feel loved and feel cared for? It's a lot of hard work, especially when we're dealing with, with teenagers, but it, it goes back to, I think, that, that trust factor. And a lot of the young men that we work with don't have that positive male figure or father figure in their lives. So not, not saying we're trying to become that, but we're just trying to become something positive in their lives. But we let them know from the onset, we're going to bag you 100% when you're doing the right thing. We're going we're gonna to care for you. We're going to love on you. But when you are in the wrong, be man enough to admit it and then accept whatever consequence comes behind it. And, and when they know that we show them 99% of the time because they do, they do great things, we're going to show them that we care, we're going to have their back, but the one time you don't, we're going to hold you accountable. And, 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 and I think a lot of it, especially with me, I have this same demeanor. You know, if a kid does something that's, that's against the way we do things in Impact One, I never raise my voice. I never, in a sense, what the kid is called, disrespect or talk down to them. Mm -hmm. We have a conversation about the mistake you made. Then we, we put some things in place to make sure you don't repeat the mistake. And then after we have that conversation, we go back to building each other up as men. So we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't come from a place of judgment and we don't harbor on the mistakes because even at my age now, I still make mistakes. And I'm able to be transparent with those young men. So that, that kind of makes it easier to, to hold them accountable. Now, oftentimes while we're in the midst of the conversation, they may not like us, yeah. but we're able to walk away from the table and they understand why we need to hold them accountable and why we have to be hard on them with certain things. So, so can you just kind of share with me how you, how you set the tone, how you create an environment for, for these kids to feel safe, for these kids to feel like, hey, you know, from the time school starts to the time that school ends, I'm going to act one way, but whenever I get in with Mr. Anthony, whenever I get in with Impact One, it's a different environment. Can you just kind of Talk about what you do to set them up for success. I think the key thing, and my wife and I always have these conversations, but as adults, I think the greatest mistake that we make when we deal with kids, we don't listen. And since day one, when I walked into Lake Highlands Junior High up until where I'm at now, before I even, even speak in regards to a student, I always stop and I listen because this generation has a lot to say. So once I kind of once the kids know that hey you know he's 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 going to listen to us that kind of sets that that environment to where you know like I say we can we can truly have that that impact on their on their lives so I mean listening is it's huge I yeah. mean that, that that's a big part of it. I mean man you've been a teacher or principal for how long now Oof. this is year nineteen year nineteen <laughs> can you just kind of share with us just like maybe some of the main things that you've learned trying to work with kids and. Tell us what works and what you thought would work that ended up not working 
and just any any practical advice that you might give someone who honestly doesn't have a lot of experience working with kids, specifically kids who kind of come from some of the same environments that our kids come from? Um, I think, number one, we have to meet the the students where they are, you know, because a, a lot of the kids that we, we work with are kind of rough around the edges. So just number one, just meeting the student where they are without judgment because the kids, if they feel like they're being judged or they pick up on what the kids call you, you're being fake, that's going to turn them off. They're not going to respect you. So we, we have to kind of go back to what I was saying. We have to listen to them. We definitely have to have patience. We have to meet them where they are. But then we have to be consistent because if we tell a kid we're going to do something and we don't do it, they lose respect for us. So consistency is huge. And, I, and, I, and I, like I say, I pride myself on being consistent with the kids. Like I say, if I, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I make it my business to, to, to get it done. And that kind of that wins them over. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like I have found that, I mean, whenever I try to build a relationship with a kid, it's almost like for the first season, it's like they're going to do everything that they can to see if you are who you say you are. You know, they, they might not, they might not give you the answer that you want. They might, you know, kind of start to be quiet some, and what they're doing is they're trying to test you and they're trying to see if they really can put their faith in you. Right. And uh, I mean, that is just so important. Can, can a kid believe that you are who you say you are and that you are going to do what you say that you're going to do? So that's awesome, man. Well, cool. Well, you got any stories about, about mentoring, whether it's in your own personal life or with Impact One that could be encouraging to all of our listeners? Oh, man, it's, I have a thousand. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and I share two, two quick ones just based on time. And the first one is going back to kind of what I stated, we have to meet the kids where they are. My first first year in Garland had a young man named Phil. Phil was what we call rough around the edges. He was he was doing illegal things, and I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. And he got sent off to alternative school. Now, before he got sent off, I had never really met Phil. I saw him in the hallways. We we would speak and just in passing, but never really had a conversation. So he goes off to alternative school for thirty days, and then after he left, and I found out you know the reason that he got into you know trouble, I said. I'm going to be intentional and make it my business when this young man comes back to build a connection. So we normally get emails when kids come back from alternative school and saying, hey, Phil will be back on such and such date at such and such time. So I was waiting for Phil in the front office. Now, he didn't know me or anything about me. Just in passing, I would say, you know, what's up? Because I always speak to kids. And the first face that he saw when he got back from alternative school was Mr. Anthony standing to greet him in the office. And what I did, I didn't mention the reason that he was, he was, he was kicked out of school. We didn't even talk about that. I just say, hey, Phil, I know you don't know me. My name is Mr. Anthony. I just want to welcome you back. If you need anything, you know where to find me. And I left it at that. A few days later, you know, Phil would just come up and say, hey, Mr. Anthony, I appreciate what you said. Nobody has ever, I guess, he's never felt that from an adult in his life. I was the first to kind of not judge him, but just kind of just check on him, you know, let him know if he needed anything, he can come to me. So from there, I began to kind of mentor and coach Phil, you know, just because he was a senior. And I said, hey, you know, we need to come up with a plan to get you across that stage. So I worked with Phil probably the last two and a half months of school, and we got him across that stage. And I still have the picture um, in my office of Phil and I shaking hands, and then, you know, he's in his cap and gown, you know, at the, at the, at the graduation down in Garland. 
And it, it's things like that to why I do what I do. Yeah. You know, just being able to see Phil, he got in some issues, build that connection with him, and then help him achieve one of his goals, which was to to graduate from high school. I mean, that was a, a great feeling. So I, I think it's important just as we as we work with kids, we, we have to meet them where they are, hold them accountable, minus the judgment. Hmm. And then the, the last story, this is, I had, to, I had to give, since we're in the Lake Highlands area, I had to get one from Lake Highland. I think it was 2005 after Hurricane Katrina happened mm-hmm. back in my home state of Louisiana. We had a large number of kids moved to the Texas area. So I think that may have been my third year of teaching. So we get, we get about 30 New Orleans kids come down and then, you know, our Texas kids are looking at these kids coming in the door like, Texas, this is our, this is our territory. This is our home court. But the New Orleans kids are trying to come in and establish respect. So probably the first, maybe two or three weeks of school, I mean, we just had multiple incidents to groups on the verge of fighting to where one day, you know, we had a big brawl in the cafeteria and then maybe by the end of the week, what I call the ringleaders, you know, from Texas, Louisiana, these two young men, young men got into a, a physical fight right outside my room. So one of the guys was, was arrested, but I had been working with the, both guys when they, you know, when school first started. After the New Orleans kids got here, I would work with Devontae, who was from New Orleans, and then Jerome was from Texas. So I had already started planting that seed, what I like to call it. But they get into a physical altercation and they get sent home for three days. So I'm thinking, okay, they're going home for three days. Nobody actually sat these kids down to have a conversation on why they were fighting or just to hear from the kids. So they come back to school on a Friday, um, and on my conference period, I find out where Devontae is, find out where Jerome is, and here's, here's my strategy. I go get one kid. Say, hey, can I see Jerome? He comes down to the classroom. I say, Jerome, give me two minutes. I need to go down to the office. But I'm actually going to get Devontae. And I say, Devontae, hey, man, I need you to go down to my room. I'll be there in about two minutes. I purposely wanted those guys to get there before me, all right? So when I knew that they were both sitting in there, I kind of hung out in the office, and then I walked into the classroom. And the first thing I said, you guys really don't hate each other. Because if you did, when I would have walked into my classroom, you guys would have had each other by the, by the throat and the shirt. So number one, that shows me that probably what you guys were fighting on, if we can just sit down as men and kind of communicate, we can avoid any, any further issues. So I kind of had a, a mini mediation with the guys, and we were able to come to an agreement that we can walk out of here and coexist. And the power in that is that, number one, they had enough respect for my classroom, even though they had just gotten into a fight three days earlier, not to disrespect me. That's that respect and that trust. And what I, what I mentioned as far as planting seeds. And then number two, they were able to walk out of that room, and I purposely timed it so them to walk out together, kind of chit-chatting with the hallways full. Mm. Because then that sends a message to the general population that these two guys had just gotten into a fight but now they're coming out and they're kind of shaking hands and they're cool. So that completely changed the culture that year after we had all those kids moving from New Orleans because they're thinking, okay, well, if these two guys are supposed to be the ringleaders can coexist and get along, why can't we? So, I mean, I I definitely love that story. And like I say, it's, I always tell a story anywhere I go because we have to sit down and, and, and like I say, hear from these kids and give them, I call it conflict resolution skills. And that's what they were lacking, but I was able to sit down with them and we didn't have any other issues the rest of the school. That's awesome, Ron. Hey, well, if someone wants to learn more about 
Impact One Mentoring, why don't you tell them how to do that? They can reach us on Facebook, just do a, a quick search, Impact One Mentoring. And then also, if you you know just want any information, want to know some of the events that we'll be hosting this summer, they can shoot me an email at impactonementoring at gmail.com. And then we're also on Twitter, which is my personal page. If they just do a search for Ron Anthony, I'll come up. But like I said, we got a lot of great things coming up this summer. That's awesome. And guys, that's Impact One, the number one. So... Thank you so much for your time, Ron. Sure do appreciate you, man. And I wish you guys nothing but the best. Anytime. Thank you. So if you guys missed all that awesome stuff from Mr. Ron Anthony, you missed out. But if you take away one thing from today's podcast, let it be this. You can mentor.